We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ripple Bagel and Deli is the home of Indy's original steam bagel sandwich. It's located in the heart of Broad Ripple, and they're family-owned and operated, proudly serving their customers for over 20 years. They pride themselves on quick, casual dining with over 100 different steamed bagel sandwich options. It truly is a staple in Indianapolis and a can't-miss breakfast and lunch spot. Ripple Bagel and Deli offers a great friends and family atmosphere where you're always welcome to dine in and be a part of the family or feel free to bypass any weight by conveniently ordering and paying for carryout ahead of time at RippleBagelDeli.com. Ripple Bagel and Deli also offers best-in-class catering anytime, anywhere with a long list of customers ranging anywhere from law firms to drug reps to several different sports related clients including butler iupui the indianapolis colts and several visiting nfl teams they pride themselves on their ability to satisfy all of your catering needs no matter the occasion or event and will customize your order provide competitive pricing and always deliver on time ripple bagel deli the home of indy's original steam bagel sandwich this is tyrese halliburton and you're listening to setting the pace Christmas Eve Pacer fans, welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast, Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. On today's show, I'm going to be going solo to recap the Pacers' 117-110 loss, a game that felt like they could have won, but they could not get over the hump in the fourth quarter after making a great effort to come back in the third. This was a tough one. So there's a lot of ways we can look at uh, how this game played out, but I want to start things out by mentioning Bruce Brown did not play in this game. It's the first game that Bruce has missed all season long, the first time he's been on the injury report, and Andrew Nimhard got the start. So Andrew Nimhard, after coming back from his injury just a couple of weeks ago in Vegas when he hyperextended his knee and his leg, um, he ends up coming back against Memphis, played about 16 minutes, didn't play a ton, but Rick Carlisle gives him the nod in this game, and he plays 36 minutes. So 
that's pretty that's a pretty good sign that you know Andrew Nimhart is fully back and ready to go and Andrew Nimhart was awesome in this game. I'm going to get to that a little bit later, but I, I want to start things off by just talking about the foul discrepancy because I think it's such a huge story of of what happened in this game. You know, the Orlando Magic had 41 free throw attempts to the Pacers 13. They were able to live at the free throw line tonight, and they were effective from the free throw line as well because they made 33 of 41, shooting 80.5% from the free throw line, where the Pacers made just 9 of 13, 69.2%. When you have a team getting to the line and shooting 41 free throws, that definitely is going to be hard to do. Paulo Boncaro was 12 of 16 from the free throw line. Franz Wagner was 8 of 8. Those two together, 20 of 24. It's hard to beat that. You know, they doubled up basically what the Pacers had in free throws attempted, and that's just two guys. So the the Magic have a very lengthy team that is problematic for the Pacers, right? But at the same time, the Pacers have to do a better job of defending without fouling, and that is something they did not do well in this game because the size of Orlando was just overwhelming for the Pacers. It, it was a problem we saw a couple of weeks ago when Orlando just completely wiped the Pacers off the floor and just completely embarrassed them, really. Indiana did not have uh, a chance in that game. And in this game, they gave themselves a chance. And I thought they would actually come back with much uh, a much tougher spirit trying to go out there and prove a point after getting embarrassed by Orlando. But it's hard to do that when you do not have capable players to guard a front court that is so big in Franz Wagner, Paul Moncaro. But then again, Gary Harris, Anthony Black, those are not small guys either in the backcourt. So this is a team built with size, and we're seeing more and more how size is impacting uh, the league once again. You know, I, I will say this. The Pacers bench was a problem tonight. They were not good, and that has been a strength for them for a majority of the season. You look at the Pacers bench, and I'm just going to read these numbers off to you. Benedict Matherin, He's been up and down all year. He goes one of five in, in, in from the floor in 16 minutes. He's a minus 24. Jalen Smith, four of five from the field, shoots the ball well, three of four from three. We know Jalen Smith's going to make shots, right? Picks up five fouls in just 14 and a half minutes, 11 points, but is a minus 19. Aaron Neesmith, someone that's been great all year long. He was not good in this game. 27 minutes played for him, almost 28. One of five from the field. One of four from three, he was a minus 20 in this game, had just a total of three points. He fouled out of the game in the fourth quarter when he fouled Franz Wagner on a three, which kind of was the icing on the cake and kind of sealed the deal for the Pacers, but it wasn't the end of you know that, that situation. I think the Pacers actually could have continued to keep fighting after the foul, but it was just one of those things where like, okay, all the... Um, all the life is, is out of them right now. The Pacers are probably going to lose this one. Then Isaiah Jackson, he plays five minutes and 56 seconds. He's a minus eight, scores zero points, picks up four fouls in the first half. I mean, Isaiah Jackson has been playing well, did not play well in this one. And then lastly, TJ McConnell, he got the backup point guard minutes with Andrew Nimhart starting. Only played six minutes in this game. Six minutes, 50 seconds, excuse me. Two assists, one turnover, one point, minus 17. You know, it was just a bad effort from the bench. And that's that's one thing that has been so good for the Pacers is, is their bench play. So TJ McConnell, uh, I'll start here with him. I just feel like this is a very bad matchup for him. Going up against a team in Orlando, like I mentioned, has a lot of size. TJ McConnell's a small guy, and he cannot do what he normally does and get free from those type of players and shoot over them because it's just too hard for him to get clean looks. And then 
Aaron Neesmith, this is a guy that's been shooting the ball particularly well. He just was kind of spastic tonight, just made a lot of dumb plays, ended up having four turnovers, and, and it felt more like 10 just by some of the ways he was making these bad turnovers at the wrong time, so that was tough. Jalen Smith, it was just like he had some dumb fouls in there and shot the ball well. Like Jalen Smith was the only bright spot for the Pacers bench with 11 points. You know, the rest of the bench scored just six points. <laughs> and the the Magic bench was much, much better. You know, you have Cole Anthony coming off the bench, getting 12 points. Uh, Mo Wagner, nine. Jonathan Isaac had six. Goga came in the game and he had four. Uh, excuse me. Caleb Houston had six shots, but Isaac had four. Goga had one, uh, one point. So the the bench discrepancy was a little bit different there, but the, the bench outscored of Orlando had 32 points to the Pacers, who only ended up having 17. So you get outscored by 15 on the bench. You get dominated from the free throw line, like I mentioned, um, with, with Orlando making 33 compared to the Pacers' nine. And that kind of does some of the story of, of what happened here. Now, the Pacers did shoot the ball decent from three, right? 44.1%, pretty darn good. Uh, 15 of 34 from the field, uh, from three, excuse me. Orlando was just six of 18 from three for 33%. So, you know, they ended up getting 27 points differential there from the three-point line. But when you get outscored by 15 on the bench and basically, what was it, 24 from the free throw line, that's the difference in the game when you lose by seven points right there. But talking about the bigger moments here that happened in this game, I felt like the Pacers were just... Dominated in the end of the first quarter and then going into the second. And that's kind of when Tyrese Halliburton came out in the first quarter. Uh, Halliburton goes on a little run offensively. And he has an and one. And the score is 24 to 23 with about 309 left on the clock. Most of the bench comes in. And the Pacers get outscored 12 to 4 to end the first quarter. Rick Carlisle called a timeout. And it felt like to me, like Rick was trying to stop the momentum of Orlando because he just knew that this team is getting going and we were playing pretty well, but now they're getting away from us. So I got to stop this while I can. Well, it did not work. So then you go into the second quarter after the Pacers are down by nine and the Magic go on a six to one run <laughs> to start the second quarter. So they just keep piling on, making this now an 18 to five run. And it felt like, oh my God, are we going to lose this game by 20 plus points again? So they end up pretty much trading baskets back and forth, and Orlando went into the half leading 73-59. to 59. Now the third quarter comes, and the Pacers played so much better. They held Orlando to just 20 points, and they outscored them 33-20, to 20, so that 14-point deficit is erased. It's only a one-point deficit going into the fourth quarter. Miles Turner was fantastic in that third quarter. He had 15 points. I mean, he could not miss a basket. It felt like he was just hitting everything. Buddy Hill ended up having 10 in that quarter, and then Tyrese Halliburton had eight. It was three guys that did all the scoring for the Pacers in that quarter. Miles Turner, like I said, was 7-7. Seven seven. He did not miss a shot in that quarter. Had two blocks, and one of them was an alley-oop attempt from Wanda Carter Jr. He was just on fire. He played 10 minutes and 44 seconds. Ty played 10-44. Andrew played 12. Buddy played 11, and Obi played 10. So the bench came in at the tail end of that, and we're able to kind of hold it down for about two minutes while those guys got a breather. But then things shifted in the fourth quarter because I thought to myself, okay, in the fourth, you know, we'll, we'll see what can happen. But they went with an all-bench unit and Buddy Heald. So you've got TJ McConnell, Ben Mather, and Aaron Neesmith, Jalen Smith, Buddy Heald, right? We've seen that lineup be pretty productive for the Pacers over times. But here's what happened. Orlando got an offensive rebound. 
Cole Anthony made a two. Buddy Heald then missed a three. And then you've got a double foul on Jalen Smith and Cole Anthony. That was Jalen Smith's fifth foul. The very next play, the Pacers throw the ball in bounds. TJ McConnell gets called for traveling. All right, well, it's 95-92 at this point. Pacers get a good defensive stop. Buddy Hill comes down, hits a three. It's 95-92. Then all of a sudden, the Magic come back down, miss a shot, but of course they get the offensive rebound, and then Franz Wagner gets a two-point basket off of the off of the offensive rebound. So second chance point through the Pacers there once again. The next play, Ben Matherin drives into traffic, takes a bad shot. It was not a good drive by Matherin, not a good decision. Orlando comes down, Caleb Houston hits a three, it's 195. The Pacers ended up, uh, <laughs> you know, going back down the court. Jalen Smith missed an open three. Franz made a two. Uh, Jalen then travels, and it's 102 to 95. Miles Turner finally comes back in the game. We see Halliburton come in and Andrew Nimard come back in after the Pacers ended up going down 195. So, they had to go back in early in the fourth quarter. That group did that brought everything back in the third, but they were just gassed. They gave up so they gave up so much energy trying to make a comeback in that third quarter that they just weren't able to kind of sustain that type of momentum. And then Aaron Neesmith was out there as the starter in five from last year, and we saw some some good play from them. And the Pacers were kind of trading baskets, going back and forth, and it felt like okay, this could be a pretty good game here. You know, I thought to myself, all right, let's see what can happen here in the fourth. You know. Cut cut the lead down to one. You know, you end up getting down by seven. Can the Pacers make a run of this? And they cut it down to three. And it was actually, excuse me, they cut it down to one with a Miles Turner pull-up jump shot, 102 to 101 with 631 left in the game. So Bon Carroll makes a, a drive, and Aaron Neesmith this call for the foul. He misses the free throw, right? Bon Carroll does. It's 104-101. Obi Toppin comes into the game. He gets the rebound. And... The Pacers end up getting uh, Halliburton gets fouled by Caleb Houston, but it was an out of bounds play, so there was no shot on it. Then Halliburton missed a finger roll, and this is what Tyrese even brought up. He missed a wide open uh, finger roll, and if he makes that, he had a clean look at the basket. He just he just left it short. Uh, big momentum changer there. So Orlando gets a rebound, one hundred four to one hundred one. They make a turnover. Aaron Eastman steals the ball, and he's coming down the court, and he throws a pass to Toppin. And Toppin mishandles it, goes out of bounds, and he's been gets charged for the turnover. But Gary Harris steals, and the Pacers end up fouling. Um, on the next play, Miles Turner fouls uh, Anthony Black. Anthony Black makes both free throws, and during that, Obi Toppin comes out of the game. Buddy Hill goes back into the game to get that sub done. And it was one of those things where it's like, okay, the Pacers had a chance there to cut the lead, right? Make the game you know, closer with a Halliburton layup that could have cut the lead to 104 to 103. Then they had a steal where they could have made it 105 to 104 and got back in some momentum and, and took the lead, but they just had two bad plays back to back and Orlando capitalized, hold onto the four point lead or excuse me, three point lead. They extended to five and the Pacers really never looked back again. So fast forward into that quarter, it was a bit of a bummer. It was 108 to 103 with four minutes left. Kind of felt like the Pacers, if they just get a couple more stops, maybe they could do something here. Aaron Neesmith fouls Franz Wagner for a sixth foul on a three-point attempt. And Franz makes all three free throws. It's 111 to 103. And the Pacers, just they just look gas after this. They could never really recover. They they made some baskets, whatever. But it was like at that moment, that's when the, the wind was just sucked out of the uh, gym. And it felt like that one was over. So long story short, 
I felt like in this game, there was a lot of things to be excited about. I think that you saw some really good play from Andrew Nimhard. You saw some really good play from Tyrese Halliburton, who has been struggling of late. Uh, Buddy Hill made some nice baskets. Miles Turner played good. But besides those four, it was not a very good game from anybody else. And you win as a team, you lose as a team, and you can't really look at individual stats. But I think it's important that we do that because let's just look at the individual stats here real quick of the Pacers starters, okay? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Buddy Hill, 38 minutes played tonight, 7 of 15 from the field, 5 of 11 from 3, 45%, which is really good for Buddy. 20 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, just 2 turnovers. Not bad offensive game from Buddy Hill, and he was a plus 11. Miles Turner, 9 of 11 from the field, 81.8%, 2 of 4 from 3 for 50%. Made all 4 of his free throws. He had 7 rebounds, 1 steal, 4 blocks, just 1 turnover. He was a plus 18 and uh, had 24 points in 29 minutes. So he got an early foul trail, ended up hurting his knee in the first half, but he was able to come back and play strong. Andrew Nimhart mentioned he played 36 minutes in this game. So good. I really love what I saw from Nimhart. Eight of 10 from the floor. One of one from three. Five assists. Only one turnover. 17 points was a plus 14. And then Tyrese Halliburton played almost 40 minutes in this game. 12 of 22 from the field. Shot three of five from three. Um, was only two of three from the, uh, from the free throw line, but still, you know, pretty good game. But two rebounds, 14 assists, three steals, and just, just three turnovers. You know, I, I felt like Halbert played a pretty good game. 29 points on the paces in scoring was a plus eight. So 
you saw those were the four main players that really were strong for the Pacers. And then Obi Toppin was a part of that five, especially in that third quarter. Um, he went just one of six tonight, 16.7% from the field, 0 of three from three, six rebounds, one block. Let's be honest, 24 minutes for Obi Toppin. Aaron Neesmith played more than him. Carlisle tried to go a little bit big and played Obi, but Obi was just Obi was just not very good tonight. He was just a part of the unit that got it going, but it wasn't because of Obi Toppin being out there. It's it is kind of infuriating. And I tweeted it out tonight and I said it's frustrating that the Pacers are sitting here with a six foot nine athletic power forward on their roster, and they're going up against a team that's just got a ton of size, and they cannot rely on Obi Toppin to be defensively there for them. And you, you see him guarding Paulo Boncaro at the beginning of the game. Um, not the majority, not the entirety of the game, but for the 36 minutes that Paulo Boncaro played, he had 34 points. I already mentioned he was 12 of six from the free, 12 of 16 from the free throw line, but he was 11 of 20 from the field. And that was kind of Obi's assignment early on. And if you watched, Obi didn't really fight hard to like get through screens and stay on him. He's like, oh, we'll switch, buddy. You can guard him. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll switch, Miles. You can guard him. And to me, that's kind of nonchalant lackadaisical defense when you're not fighting through those switches to make sure you stay on the person that you need to guard where Nimhart is navigating screens very well, making sure that he is tr doing his best to guard Franz Wagner, who is a very talented big man. And it's got about six inches on Nimhart, you know, five to six inches on Nimhart in terms of height. And there was times Nimhart got switched on Apollo and Apollo drove right through him. And that's just going to happen when you're an undersized point guard, you know, having a guard force. It's just this team to me, is very short. <laughs> and that's that's been something that's been problematic. That's why we've constantly talked about going out and getting a power forward. Look, the Pacers tried playing double bigs. They tried playing Jalen and Isaiah together. It didn't work. It wasn't a very good unit. You know, nobody on the bench was good tonight. Aaron Neesmith, for as many minutes as he played tonight, he was okay defensively when he was out there. He had some nice moments. You know, like I said, he had two steals. It was He was okay, but it wasn't the normal Aaron Eastman we're used to seeing or we have been seeing because Aaron Eastman's been playing pretty good offensively too. So this was one of those games where Neesmith probably wishes that he could have a do-over. And even even still, Neesmith at six foot five, he's given up three to four inches against Paulo and, and Franz, and it's just tough. And then you go back and, and, and you just look at who Orlando has off the bench too. Jonathan Isaac only played 11 minutes and 50 seconds in this game, but he was a plus nine. I felt like Jonathan Isaac was really a problem for the Pacers, and Mo Wagner was very active on the glass. Caleb Houston had some nice three-point attempts there. Uh, you know, goes two of four. Goga came in, played 11 and a half minutes, and I thought Goga played pretty strong, even though didn't score a lot, just had one point. He was a plus 11, um, just very active down low. And it's like they have figured out a way, Orlando has, to, to play to their strengths, and that's their size. And you know, that is just a, a problematic lineup for the Pacers because they don't have the size to match up with it. You know, they can they can do some different things. They can shoot the ball, which they did. But when you cannot defend without fouling, that's going to be the bottom line almost every single time that causes you to lose games. So I'm, I'm frustrated with y'all. I understand we're all disappointed with how things have been going, but it was refreshing to see Tyrese get going a little bit. We, we've seen Tyrese struggle. Tyrese even said tonight to the media that for the past week and a half, he's not been playing very good and that he feels like he's been hurting his team more than helping them. And while the numbers probably reflect that to a certain degree, he's getting a ton of attention from other teams defensively. And he's still trying to figure out the right way to go about doing that and finding other guys to do it. And I felt like him and Nimhart played really well together. They have that chemistry down. 
And I, I, I'm hoping that we get to see more of that together. I, I would be shocked if Rick Carlisle made a starting lineup change and putting him hard in for Bruce Brown, you know, someone that's pay, being paid the most uh, on this roster. But there's a reason why at the beginning of the year I was kind of, you know, advocating for him hard to continue to start. He knows how to play that role next to Tyrese very well. Um, you can make the case that Bruce Brown does too, and I think Carlisle had uh, made the case for that in the post-game press conference tonight that, you know, Bruce does a lot of the same great things, but I just think it's different with Nimhard. I think Nimhard's a better defender than Bruce Brown. And I think he's probably a better um, passer, better point guard, more of a pure point guard. And and Nimhard has not shot the ball well this year, but tonight he was kick, he was clicking. Um, Bruce has probably been a better overall three-point shooter for the season, but I don't feel like it's much of a drop-off between the two. And I actually think that I like the fit of Nimhard better at the two over Bruce Brown, but that's not going to really matter because I don't think anything's going to change. But, you know, this is a game where you're, you're looking at yourself and you're wishing um, just if the bench, if anybody on the bench gives you anything, you, you probably are a lot closer in this game. If Neesmith can just do something in the 27 and a half minutes he played, could you give me more than three points, Aaron? I mean, that would have been awesome. But, you know, it was really just so dependent upon that starting five, really doing everything. It was the core four of Ty, Andrew, Turner, and and Heald. And they just, they did what they could, but they couldn't carry the team to the finish line. And they were gassed. They were literally gassed in the fourth quarter. I was watching them uh, as possessions were getting, you know, fewer and fewer as time was winding down. They just were not being as active. And I think that when you are digging yourself out of such a hole to start the second half, it's not going to be easy to sustain once you get that lead because you've used so much energy to get back into the game. The Pacers have to do a much better job starting off games with force, with intensity, and, and treating every game like a playoff game. They Maybe going from the craziness of the in-season tournament, the, the the environment that we saw in Gambridge Fieldhouse with the, with the fans rocking, with all the immediate attention and, and all the, you know, the coverage they got. It's totally dived down back to normalcy for the Pacers where it's just like a totally different dynamic. And it's easier to get up for games like that versus just getting up for a normal game on the regular schedule. But that's not how it should be. So not an excuse, but that's what's been happening. They have not been getting up for these games like they need to. And I don't know if it's the coaching staff needs to do a better job of getting these guys ready, but I hate blaming the coaching staff for the players not being ready as you're getting paid millions of dollars to play this game that you love. Please come show up ready to work. You know, we all have bad days at work. Let's be honest. It's, it's okay. There's no problem with that. I don't. I don't have a problem with anybody Having a bad day at work, it's going to happen from time to time, but it's been too consistently uh, inconsistent with this team. You know, m you might see a guy show up and play a really good game every five games, but with the other four games, it's like MIA, like what's happening? You want to have a more consistent balance across the board. And, you know, Tyrese talked about it, like he's been bad the last week and a half, whatever it's been. Who has stepped up in his absence, you know, on the court in terms of production? And it's, been a hodgepodge of like, well, maybe it could be this guy, maybe it could be that guy. It has not been consistent. You've you've seen Obi Toppin have some good moments. You've seen um, Aaron Neesmith have some good moments. Obviously, Miles had a good game tonight. Twenty four points was huge. I, I felt like he was awesome in this game. So it's just been so inconsistent, and I think that's what we've been talking about 
ad nauseum on this podcast is they got to find the number two. They got to get better defensively, but their defense has gotten better. I mean, let's be honest. They, they held Orlando to what? 117 points. That's under 120 points. That's a number the Pacers should be able to win against, but they just weren't able to execute against a team that's pretty solid defensively in Orlando. So I, I think that the Pacers are, are in a spot where they're, getting close to breaking through. I feel like they're getting close to breaking through this losing streak. I know the schedule does not get easy. They're on the road against Houston on Tuesday after the Christmas break. Houston's 12 and two at home. Then they go on the road to Chicago. Then they come home for the Knicks, a team that's been playing really good to close out the month of January. It's not going to be easy, but if this team wants to stay above 500, they want to prove that they are a playoff team and not a play in team. They got to win those games. And Houston, that's a team they can beat, but it's going to be difficult. Jabari Smith Jr. has been on fire. The Pacers cannot guard wings, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Chicago is a team that beat the Pacers earlier in a low-scoring affair, 112-105, to 105, right? Or 107, excuse me, 112-107. to 107. That's a game the Pacers should have probably won, right? Maybe it was 112-105. to 105. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, but regardless, it's a game the Pacers should have won, and you know, they've got to have this in the back of their mind, like, okay, we've really got to focus in and be ready to go. And maybe the Christmas break, having a couple of days off, spending time with family and friends will, will be good for them. I know Tyrese talked about getting back into a routine after the long road trip. It's still been kind of tough. You got to do it. If you really want to consider yourselves one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, you got to be better. But right now, there's teams that are playing much better than Indiana and teams that you feel like deserve more praise than what the Pacers have been given after their in-season tournament run. So we know it's it's a long season. We still have 50-plus games left, so no need to panic. But at the same time, the holes are glaring, and they need to fix them. And they need to come out and play harder and stronger and, and find a way to play with more force. So I'm uh, I'm hoping the Pacers respond. We have yet to see them really do that. Um, since the in-season tournament run. They've been bad, but I, I but I think water will find its level. The law of averages, as Tyrese would say. I'm hoping that they can just figure this one out and get back to what they were doing so well, and that was just moving the basketball, playing team team ball, defending better, but also just making a lot of shots. You know, They need more consistent offensive production from everybody top to bottom. It can't just be Ty and Miles going off one night or Buddy and Ty or... Obi Toppin randomly doing well, and Neesmith playing good off the bench. Like you got to have guys getting double figures. I think when the Pacers have had like seven or eight guys in double figures, it feels like they almost win every single one of those games. And they just need a more balanced scoring attack to, to beat the teams that are um, uh, ahead of them right now in terms of how they're playing and then just the schedule. So um, I, uh, I, I'm i encouraged a little bit from this game just because we saw Tyrese kind of break from that slump he'd been in a little bit offensively. Miles really showed that, you know, when he wants to put it on, he can put it on. Like, Miles is really good in that third quarter. I think that Nimhard showcased enough why he should get playing time more. I think, you know, Buddy Hield has shot the ball better of late. It's not been like the elite Buddy we're used to seeing, but he's getting better shooting wise. So, you just gotta keep. You just gotta keep chipping away. You know, you can't get too down because you're at 500 now. You gotta just keep chipping away and prove that you are better than this, and, and come in mentally focused after a tough, tough loss to Orlando, and then come back against Houston. Celebrate Christmas. Get your presents. Get your goodies. But get ready for a Houston team that's gonna be ready to go. I have no doubt in my mind about it. 
Ime Udoka is an incredible coach, and he's done a really good job with that team. So um, they are going to make life very difficult for the Pacers in this matchup. But I think the Pacers want to continue separating themselves from other teams in the Eastern Conference. they got to win this game. So with that being said, thank you all so much for listening to my solo podcast. Sorry if I ranted too much. Miss having Fachi on the show, but don't fear, guys, because we will be back Monday morning for a Christmas episode. Pre-recorded that on uh, last Sunday, and we did a game of Would You Rather, where me and Fachi came up with three different questions of Would You Rather and discussed them in terms of the Pacers. So a lot of fun there. I will probably be back Tuesday morning for a solo episode, and then Fachi and I will hopefully be back to recap that game against the Rockets. But if not, we'll figure it out. But with that being said, this is a recap of the Magic game. It's Christmas Eve. Hope you guys are having a fantastic time with your family and friends. And thank you all so much for your support of this podcast. We love you guys. We appreciate you all. Your support means everything to us. And we're closing in the year with our best year to date with the number of downloads and listens and people just chiming in. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been awesome. And we'll be back tomorrow, Christmas Day, another episode. Would you rather? Hope you guys have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.